Welcome back to episode 45 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen a series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free, where I get my overall opinion on a series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into High School DxD New. Released in 2013 by Studio TNK, it has 12 episodes and comes in both sub and dub. I continued the series in sub. I had so much fun with the first season of High School DxD, I had to jump into the second season right away. New started off with Issei back at school and things seemed to have settled after the raiding game. His new dragon arm has been giving him trouble, and he still cannot form a pact if the world depended on it. New troubles are brought to House Gremory's door from both the church and fallen angels. Issei has no time to rest, he has to get stronger and prepare for a legendary battle. Issei's reputation could have turned around, he had been spending less time with his gross friends and more with the club members. Being co-signed by popular students like Riaz, Akano, Konako, and Kiba may have helped him not seem so disgusting in the other students' eyes. Unfortunately, the loser duo go around spreading lies about his relationship with these people, making him appear weirder than ever. When it comes to dealing with the ladies this season, Issei did well. My boy Rito from To Love Rue could take notes from Issei. Issei never freaks out when he wakes up with a naked girl in his bed. While it can take him by surprise, he reacts in a good way. Issei sees the motivation is to use the power of the Red Dragon Emperor to upgrade from playing with breasts to sucking them. At least he's consistent with his goals. Issei transferring power to his eyes to peep on Riaz and Akino is what I would expect a prowler like him to abuse the legendary sacred gear on. Issei used the promise of getting his boob-sucking goal met by Riaz to unlock ultimate power and fight a fallen angel leader. With that power, he talks about being able to beat God right after finding out he was dead. That was in poor taste. It's not like I didn't have assumptions Issei is the wackest Red Dragon Emperor there has ever been, but Michael confirming it was funny. I personally didn't like Issei getting Ascalon. The blade coming out of his dragon arm just looked goofy to me. Michael handing a powerful weapon to the opposition was weird. Last season, I mentioned how the dynamic of the three factions being at a standstill was cool. With Azazel, Zex, and Michael all leading, I don't want to call them soft because they're being smart, but they're a little too quick to help each other. This season gives Kiba the spotlight to shine. His hatred for priests and fallen angels was teased in season 1, but now is explored in detail. Kiba doesn't like talking about his family or where he came from. He was part of the Holy Sword project created by the church. Test subjects were being raised in the hopes to wield divine weapons extremely deadly to devils. Kiba's purpose in life was to kill devils before he became one. Once the project was deemed a failure, the participants were to be eliminated. Kiba's friends sacrificed themselves to give him an opportunity to narrowly escape. That is when Riaz found Kiba half-dead in the forest, turning him into a devil and servant. After Kiba explained his past, it cut to Saji bawling like an idiot. I felt it took away from the seriousness of this moment. I'm not a fan when a show uses comedy to undermine an important scene. Kiba has survivor's guilt and now wants to destroy all the holy swords. Once Kiba sees the holy sword in Issei's old photo album, he becomes distracted, unable to focus on his duties as a member of Host Gremory. After zoning out during a battle where Konako is injured due to his absent-mindedness, Kiba decides to become a lone wolf. This fight was also a good reminder of what a stray devil is. Riaz condemning it for abandoning their master for their own desires was a nice piece of foreshadowing for what was about to happen with Kiba. Riaz had no issue putting down a random stray devil, but she can't do it so easily when it comes to Kiba going astray. It was nice seeing Freed back just to get his ass kicked as usual. Kiba's fights are always the best, but this one in the rain looked dope. Kiba was letting his rage blind him and wasn't doing nearly as well in combat as the previous season. Kiba did a horrible job at getting revenge and was smacked down at every turn. 
All the kids who died appearing as force ghosts, letting him know it was okay to be happy, then taking them in to be a devil who can use holy power was deadly. A now-focused Kiba whooped some fallen angel ass, occupied both the leader's hands with failed strikes, then used a blade in his mouth to draw first blood. Having Kiba drop the teenage angst and come back to the club was nice. He and Issei bond further and become closer friends. My man Kiba needs to learn time and place. Telling another dude you will do everything to protect him while you're both changing is a flag down. That's not how the bros play the game. With this in mind, I don't know who benefited more from only the girls having to move in with Issei. Kiba not having to get mixed in with that mess, or Issei avoiding another awkward talk with Kiba, possibly in the shower this time. In last week's review, I put my stance out there on why I felt Aja is a better character than people give her credit for. I will continue to stack evidence for this. Many people feel Aja is always blocking Issei and getting in the way of him and Riaz. Even though I gave Issei props earlier for not completely shying away from the girls, he does a good enough job of blocking himself. Last season, he had a five count to play with the president, but burned through his time overthinking it. When Riaz was in desperate need to get out of her engagement to Riser, she ran to Issei to take her virtue. He dropped the ball talking about needing to mentally prepare. Heads up, if a busty redhead wants to jump your bones, there's no thinking needed. Be like Nike, just do it. Even when Aja walks in on Riaz and Issei during the opening of the season, she doesn't tell them they're indecent and to stop, she rips her shirt off to join. Issei wants to be king of the harems and Aja is continuing to support that dream. Speaking of dreams, I felt Aja was finally living hers. She has found something to be more invested in than her faith. She has a fun rivalry with Riaz for Issei's attention. She gained friends in the club and regular students at school. She has been taken in by Issei's mother and father like family, and this is more than what Aja was asking for when she first met Issei. Seeing Aja smile when Issei was helping her in the pool were fun things that continued to strengthen their friendship. An argument could be made Aja is in the way during battles. I feel the amount she heals everyone during fights makes her a necessity on the battlefield. Even when Aja is in the way or in trouble, it just makes for badass instances for other characters to look good. Like when both Issei and Kiba have their moments saving her from a hellhound. Issei continues to look out for Aja and even asks Michael, the acting god in heaven, to allow Aja and Zenobia to be able to pray without being harmed. He knows how much that would mean to his friend. I feel Riaz lost a bit of her edge this season. Before she was a cold leader, but after Issei saved her, she's now softer on all her servants. After she slapped the hell out of Kiba when he lost focus fighting the stray devil, she really was just sweet to everyone. When Issei and Aja are not harmed when the Holy Sword Girls show up at the house, Riaz is hugging them like I'm so glad you're both safe, I'll do better in the future to look out for you, here Issei look at my boobs as an apology. Before she would have walked in like, I'm glad you're safe, but Issei this is your fault always getting into trouble. Saji got magically spanked by Sonya for going off script with Issei, while Riaz wasn't even upset. She once again cuddled up to Issei and Konako this time. Konako got a loving tap on the ass as punishment, and Riaz only smacks Issei to show Sonya that she's not weak. Speaking of being weak, this season really started downplaying Riaz's power. She was completely outmatched and did no damage when fully charged by Issei's transfer of power against the vamp-looking fallen angel. So when she promised to protect Issei from Azazel taking his sacred gear, I kinda laughed. I wouldn't take comfort in that, Riaz did nothing against Azazel's underling, what could she do against him? As far as building a relationship, Riaz was acting like Issei's mother when she couldn't be with him for the one night her brother was in town. Going on about how she would die without him and asking him if he'd be alright without her? Girl, you have spent plenty of nights without Issei, chill. At least Aja just accepted not being able to be in the same room for one night. This kind of clingy behavior from Riaz really opened the doors for some of the other girls to swoop in on Issei this season. Akino is a fantastic right-hand woman. 
The last thing someone needs is a yes man around them, letting them believe their own hype. Riaz won't go against her pride and contact her brother when facing a fallen angel leader and an exorcist with a gang of holy swords. That's just stupid. Akino is like, yeah, I already called for backup. I'm not letting everyone die because you want to act tough. That's the type of person Riaz needs on her side. Akino is doing what's smart over what would please Riaz. I'm all about lewd content when it's used in a clever or funny way. The deceptive camera angles, music, and tone of Akino draining the dragon magic from Issei's arm through his finger was hilarious. That's the type of thing that separated DXD from just being a pointless nude fest for the sake of being etchy. Issei finally understood that he needed to be a man and take on Akino's advances. He didn't cower, he was going to kiss Akino in the changing room before Riaz interrupted. Y'all say Aja is a blocker? Riaz was being a hater here. Riaz barged in every time Akino and Issei were getting comfortable. Akino and Riaz passive-aggressively competing for Issei's attention was fun until they had the blowout at the pool. Akino seemed to develop a certain admiration for Issei this season. From a mixture of his manly display never giving up against Riser and him being repeatedly beaten down appealing to her sadistic side. I know it was purely shock when Issei screamed out when discovering Akino as the daughter of a fallen angel. With her feelings growing for him, I'm sure it hurt Akino when he had such a loud reaction. When Issei and Akino sit down to discuss her father, Barkiel, Akino shows Issei both her devil and fallen angel wings. You can tell his opinion really matters to her. She was fearful Issei's hatred of fallen angels would cause him to despise her if he knew the truth. Akino herself is disgusted with the fallen angel blood within her, so how could she expect Issei to feel different? Issei is a tool belt, but he can be sweet when the moment is needed. Just like he did for Riaz last season before the raiding game, Issei passionately expressing to Akino that he likes her for her is exactly what she needed to hear. If Issei can accept her being half-fallen angel, with his hatred towards them, maybe Akino can finally accept herself. Konako continues her streak of stealth is not an option, punching in the steel door to the factory where the stray devil is. She also continues her streak of judging Issei's lewd antics, warning Irina Issei can remove her clothes. The music that plays during the dramatic speech Issei gives after getting knocked down by Konako for accidentally dress-breaking her was too funny. This moment let everyone know Issei will never abandon his perversions and Konako declares Issei an enemy to all women. Konako does warm up to Issei a little, she embraces her inner coach Carter by deciding to take some of the punishment from Issei and put it on herself during the spanking. She got off the hook but the gesture was nice. Konako also continues her streak of snacking, the parfait she orders when eavesdropping on Issei and Saji's conversation is the size of her head. She had an entire box of goodies to share with Gasper. All in all, Konako is by far the most consistent from last season to this one. The series never made a point of it, but hints were dropped that Kiba and Konako are close friends. Konako was the last push Kiba needed to accept help to achieve his revenge. When the crew runs into Freed, he was too scared to insult Konako, guess he didn't want another bench thrown at him. Watching Akino, Konako, and Riaz all work together to fight Cerberus was cool. I enjoyed the ladies handling business. Konako takes on a three-headed hellhound by herself, gets eaten, leg pressed the mouth open, and boots out some teeth before jumping down to safety. Konako and Issei's combo attacks this season were great, she literally picks him up and throws him towards whatever needs handling. As mentioned, Konako slowly softens her stance on Issei, they had a nice moment when he was teaching her to swim, I'm happy she didn't completely melt for him like all the other girls do, she will still use physical force when he gets too perverted. Konako recognizes when Issei is planning on being a weirdo, Aja has no clue why Issei is training Gasper so hard, but Konako sees the same look in Issei's eyes he had when discovering Dress Break. He is now helping Gasper to achieve his goal to freeze time and grope girls. Irina was a childhood friend of Issei who is now a soldier of God in possession of the Holy Sword Mimic. 
I like the fact the battle between Issei and Yuma is a reason Irina is back in town. She didn't just reappear randomly, but the timing is convenient. Kiba sees the sword in the photo and goes dark that same day Irina, the girl in the photo, comes back to town with a sword. Come on, writers. Irina is cute and I thought her self-obsessed nature was a fun character trait. When her and Issei square off, I have to be honest, I was surprised if the church only had three swords. It was shocking to me they would entrust one of them to this girl. Irina came out the gate with the intention of killing Issei. At this point, Issei is still the weakest piece on the board. He didn't have a sacred gear out in charge, yet Irina still did no damage. She was also knocked off her feet by Zenobia breaking the ground while fighting Kiba. Not a very good warrior to not mind her surroundings or have enough balance to stay upright. She also couldn't keep up during the pursuit of Freed and got beat losing her holy sword to the enemy. Zenobia is Irina's partner and wields the holy sword of destruction. I wasn't a fan of the sword's design, but I really like Zenobia and Irina's battle suits. Reminded me of some Metal Gear Solid tech. Zenobia and Irina aren't your typical overly nice religious people. They got a little hungry and are ready to rob people from other faiths or steal from offering boxes. Real good Christian values there. Zenobia is a stuck-up ass. The way she speaks to Riaz when they have their sit-down and how she goes in on Aja was terrible. Like I said in last week's review, Issei will defend Aja even when the opposition has a weapon that could easily kill him. Kiba, who is always down to scrap, will join Issei in attempting to teach Zenobia some humility. Kiba charging in with his fire and ice swords looked deadly, but at this point he is too emotionally invested to fight with a clear mind, leading to Zenobia getting the better of him. Zenobia was a terrible partner, Kiba had no reason to stick around to help Irina, but Zenobia got separated from Irina which led to her losing the holy sword. Watching this season back a second time, Zenobia is calling Aja a witch, mocking her for becoming a devil and being banished by the church. Guess what sucker, the same thing's gonna happen to you! The church has been lying and you will be grateful when the devils take your sorry ass in. She is lucky Aja is a great person accepting her into the group, but I didn't like how quickly it happened. There should have been a period of bitterness with her joining House Gremory. I don't want to make this some religious debate, but if God the entity no longer existing causes you to lose your values, you didn't have any in the first place. You don't serve the man, you serve the ideals they stood for. Zenobia just wanted an excuse to destroy things and claimed her actions were in the name of God. Now that he's no longer around, she's like, hey Riaz, your brother's still alive, right? I'm going to turn my back on the church, become something I claim to hate, and continue to fight under a new banner for Lucifer. Take the religious aspect out of Christmas for comparison. That's like going, wait, Santa isn't real? Well, I'm not going to spend time with my family or have dinner with them now. I'm also taking my donation to the children's hospital back. Hey kids, be careful unwrapping those presents because they're all going back to the store right now. Christmas isn't about Santa. It's a time for joy and a willingness to give. Santa is just a symbol. Look at Aja when she found out God was dead. It shocked her, but she continued with her faith. Zenobia bailed and joined the enemy. I can't respect it. But if you're going to defect to the other side, go completely. Zenobia starts thanking God with Aja and acting like she still has faith when she clearly doesn't. Speaking to Zex, she herself doesn't even know why she decided to become a devil. As for a relationship, since Zenobia is a devil now, no need to follow those no sex before marriage principles. She is still in school, but her goal now is to have a child with Issei because of his dragon genes. If anything, I thought Zenobia would have been interested in Kiba, not Issei. Sir Zex is Riaz's older brother and the devil of all devils. I liked him ever since he invited Issei to Riaz's engagement party with the purpose of having him break it up and save his sister from being with that twat riser. This season we got to know him a bit more. The devil is no snob, he's having a good old time drinking with Issei's dad. Then he sleeps on Issei's floor instead of taking the bed. 
He probably has a mansion in hell with professional pillow fluffers at his disposal, but he's cool slumming it just to shoot the shit with Issei. Now I mentioned it before, Riaz guaranteeing Issei's safety from Azazel was funny. Zex doing it, I feel like there was some genuine weight behind it. Zex plays Issei like a fiddle, he knows just how to put ideas in Issei's head to motivate him. Even at the expense of having to talk about his own sister's cleavage. Azazel is the man that had been continuously summoning Issei. I want to know who frosted his tips. Azazel is a collector of items and once he begins to gather something, he cannot stop. His video game collection grew like crazy in a short amount of time. The show made it clear there was more to Azazel than meets the eye, but I didn't expect him to be the head of the fallen angels. Azazel is very interested in sacred gear and is knowledgeable about them all. He gave Issei, Gasmer, and Saji free advice on theirs. Watching Azazel break down the options of war and peace to Issei using making babies with Riaz was hilarious. He might be better than Zex when it comes to talking Issei's language. I completely forgot about Azazel's golden armor. It shits all over both valleys and Issei's. And the guy rips off his arm with no hesitation to win a fight. The white dragon emperor finally decides to show his face. His entrance was amazing, easily smashing the barrier, coming down in full armor. I like the white dragon armor at this point better than Issei's, only because it has wings. Valley is a smooth looking guy, but dude, get a smaller pocket chain. He could lock up three bikes with the one he has hanging off of him. Valley is a nutbar, he wanted to be born in a time where God was alive so he could try to beat him. All Valley desires is to face strong opponents and gaining power. When he started effortlessly ripping off the wings of an opponent the entire crew had been struggling against, and he didn't even use his divide powers to do it, I was like, this guy is a problem. Watching Valley with the magicians and Issei realizing how far behind he was was great, and when these two eventually are on equal power and fight for real, it should be awesome. Valley's devil lineage is very strong and mixed with his dragon power, he will be the ultimate white dragon emperor. Which is fitting as Issei is the weakest, everything is about balance. I thought Valley would find Issei to be an embarrassment, his goals are so much more than wanting a harem. When Valley threatens to give Issei the superhero treatment by killing his parents, I was like, oh, fight is on. Issei knocks that dick out of his armor, and Valley didn't even put up a good fight for all that we're separated more than the earth and sky talk. You're nothing without your sacred gear, Issei. Well, Valley, you just got whooped by nothing. Azazel once again knows how to talk to Issei, the sad music playing as he thinks about Riaz's boobs halved in size, or what it would do to poor Konako. Of course, such a stupid reason would allow Issei to put an end to this fight for now. If I'm being honest, I always remembered the second season of High School DxD being a step down from the first. Rewatching now, I disagree with that sentiment. It carried over well, and while I still prefer season one, new didn't disappoint me at all. The one criticism I have to give this season is it introduced one too many characters. Gasper should have been saved for the early section of season three. Now I thought his introduction was done well, having us see the locked door earlier in the season was a nice way to let the audience know Issei was aware of this section of the schoolhouse. If they just went to it randomly to get Gasper, I would have called bullshit on no one noticing this locked up room. Another great hint to Gasper existing in the Gremory family is when Riaz is discussing the raiding game with Riser. It's asked if everyone in the room are all her pieces, and Riaz doesn't say yes or no, she simply diverts the question by asking another in return, so what if it is? Gasper's introduction was too funny, they make it seem like he will be this all-powerful being, and then they enter the room and he looks like he does. Issei and Saji's reaction to Gasper being a trap was funny. Gasper is half-devil and half-vampire, his family name is just as on the nose as Kufa Vampire from Assassin's Pride. I thought there were a lot of good themes to be explored with Gasper, his confidence issues, not being accepted by his family, learning to harness his power. It just felt everything was covered in his introduction episode. I would have liked his story to have been spaced out. 
Issei quickly developing a friendship with Gasper was nice and he pulled him onto team perversion fairly quickly. I laughed my ass off when Gasper got brown bagged by the girls, but hey, if it works for him, that's good. When Gasper's powers were being used against the summit, the show implemented castling to get Riaz and Issei inside the old school building. Now I am no chess master, but I used to play and castling was my move. For whatever reason, I found it easier to defend the king while in a corner. So having this in the show was awesome. When Gasper drinks Issei's blood, he does some cool stuff. Then they ruin his moment having Issei use dress break. Gasper letting loose wanting to be a man was dope. Zex was like, ah well, if he wants to fight, go ahead. He doesn't even try to stop him at Riaz's request. Gasper's voice actress Ayane Sakura, who was also ninja in Trinity 7, went all out in this role. Her whining, insecure tones, crying, and excited expressions were all top-notch. She deserves a ton of credit for her portrayal of Gaspy. Nitpicks. What kind of bullshit ice cube was placed in the glass for Issei's water when he first met Azazel? Just look at that thing. Issei's drawback is it takes time for his power to charge, so why does he always wait to activate it right before or during a fight? I'd have that thing out ready to go before I arrived at the battle. After Freed has his new fused sword broken, we see him lying on the ground. Why didn't Kiba or Zenobia go stab him through the chest right quick, save us the trouble of ever having to see him again? I would love to know if the club has a school uniform budget, with the amount of times the girls' clothes are torn off in this series. Yet from my recollection, I don't remember Kiba's clothes ever being ripped. Aja's running animation after Ize caught Akino from falling defied physics. It looked like she was on ice. When Issei is fighting without the full armor set, all you have to do is avoid his left hand because his right arm is useless. Last season had it appear finding Aja a place to stay was going to be a process before having her stay with Issei. Now Riaz puts Zenovi in an apartment complex operated by Devil so why couldn't Aja have stayed there? If the school hadn't used the pool in a year it wouldn't have been filled with water they would have drained it. Much like Issei said while trying to check out the girls in the pool, Kiba get out of the way. The last thing I needed was all the shots of Kiba wiggling around in his speedo. This season's second half ending credits tried to compete with season 1's, but it didn't quite live up to it. This show makes Gasper look too much like Konoko at certain times, it was very confusing. Quote of the series, Someone who has fallen lower than the ground doesn't need wings, does he? Followed by ripping his wings out, that was deadly. Best Girl Waifu and Harem This season's best girl came down to Konoko and Akino. I had to give it to Akino for the same reason I gave it to Aja last season. What Akino brought to this season was great, she opened up about her past and the moments with Issei in the shrine was a great piece of development between these two characters. Riaz now has a true rival for Issei's love. Everyone debates who is top waifu, Akino or Riaz. I have always been a Riaz man myself, but watching this season again in the context of building a relationship, the show is doing much better with Akino than Riaz in my opinion. Akino is not a waifu for me, but I can understand why half of the internet would blow up my inbox for saying that. Being added into the harem with Riaz and Akino is Irina. She was cute. Final thoughts. High School DxD New was a great follow-up to the first season. There were many fun new characters introduced. We also got to see some old faces. Characters from the Gremory family's history were explored and their stories expanded upon. There was a great mix of plot progression, character development, action, comedy, and of course, opies. I would certainly recommend watching High School DxD New and continuing on to Season 3. Alright, that's going to be it for this week's review. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.